If you have your Bibles, turn to James chapter number 2, James chapter number 2, and it's going to be page 1308 in your old Schofield Reference Bible, and I want to thank you for being in church tonight, and um, we're looking forward to the services on Sunday, and we're still right in the middle of Pastor Appreciation Month, and so we're celebrating that, but we're also celebrating our pastor's 25th anniversary, and so we're thankful for his service and his continued service, and so I hope you'll be in your place on Sunday, and we're looking forward to a good time of Sunday school, and then also the preaching. Uh, Pastor Bill Watson is scheduled to be with us Sunday morning. And then as far as I know, I think preachers plan on preaching Sunday night. And so I don't know about you, but I'm excited to hear him get back in his pulpit and rear back and preach to us. And uh, I couldn't wait till Sunday, so I had to cheat. I had to go down or go up to, to Ararat and hear him preach up at Brother Greg Hall's church last night. I was glad to be able to hear him. And uh, it had been a little while, so I'm glad that uh, he'll be back in his pulpit on Sunday. And so let's just pray for the services. I hope you'll invite some people, maybe send out a text message or two or three or four, or and maybe call some people up and invite them. And so let's do all we can for the Lord this coming Lord's Day. And then um, just by way of review, as we delve into the message tonight in James chapter number two, we're going to kind of pick up on this, I don't know if you want to call it a series or not, but just little thoughts about faith. And so several, several Sundays ago, and I don't necessarily expect you to remember this, but we talked about justification, how justification is when we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's what happens when we're saved or born again, like Brother Willis said on Sunday morning. And justification, you can say, you can define it as just as if I had never sinned. So we talked about justification. Then we also talked about walking by faith. We use that verse that we walk by faith and not by sight. And so we talked about how our walk should be a daily walk. And the truth of the matter is, uh, if we're going to survive, if we're really going to thrive as a Christian, uh, we can't depend just on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. You're to be applauded for being here, but in our Christian life, we're going to need more than just Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. We should have a daily walk with God. We should have a daily walk where, like Brother Thyra helped us sing this evening, telling it to Jesus and go to the Lord in prayer like Miss Lisa sang about. And so it should be a daily walk. Then last Wednesday night, we looked at our faith and the Bible, or we looked at our faith and how it it coincides and there should be a relationship with the Word of God, with the Bible. We talked about the reliability of the Word of God. We looked about how the Word of God is inspired. It's God-breathed. When the Holy Spirit spoke, He told those 40 different authors over a time frame of 1,500 years, He told them what to write down. And, that, and that's how we have the Word of God. The Word of God uh, says that the Bible is not of any private interpretation, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And so we know the Bible is reliable. It's inspired. It's inerrant. It doesn't have any errors in it. If it had one error in it, it might as well have a thousand. But we know the Word of God does not contain any errors. When the Bible says that Jonah was swallowed up by a great fish, you say, Brother Mark, do you really believe that? Every word of it. And, uh, and so we don't try to explain that away, or we don't, you know, you know there's the story, of, or the event, I don't even like to call it a story, but there's the event in the Bible 
where Moses and the children of Israel crossed over the Red Sea. And there were some quote-unquote theologians that tried to say, oh, it really wasn't the Red Sea. It was just a small little river that they crossed over. No, when the Bible says that they looked and they saw the walls of water, they crossed over the Red Sea. Why? Because we believe the Bible literally. We believe the Bible isn't just a storybook. It's actual things that happen. And so we know the Bible is inerrant. We looked at the renewing power of the Word of God. The Word of God convicts us. It speaks to us. And it, the Bible says that the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Then we also looked at the Bible is resilient. It's indestructible. You can't destroy the Word of God. There have been people throughout the dark ages that try to destroy the Word of God. But you can't destroy the Word of God. It's just going to keep on uh, being, being there and existing, and it's going to be there for us. And so we looked at our faith in the Bible. Now tonight, we're going to look at another area of faith. It has been said that there are three types of faith. One person said there's a dead faith. That is a faith that is in word only. There's, it never really shows itself. It's just a, a dead faith. Then another per, uh, the same person said there's a demonic faith. The Bible says, for even the devils believe, and what? They tremble. So that would be somebody that's lost. The devils are not saved. And so there's a demonic faith that you can believe, but you don't believe with your heart unto salvation. Then thirdly, there's a dynamic faith faith. That is one where there is a believer and he's born of the Spirit, he's born again, and that, and then he manifests itself and he shows the, 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 the God that's real. He shows through and allows fruit to be evident in his life. I don't know about you tonight, but I would like to have a dynamic faith. I don't want to have a dead faith. I don't want to be in word only, but not in actions. I don't want to have a, a demonic faith, but I want to have a dynamic faith. I want to have one that's real. I want to have one that just kind of shows itself, not for my glory, but for his glory. I want a dynamic faith. You know, the first two faiths, a dead faith and a demonic faith, are never going to bring revival to America. It's not going to sustain our church. It's not going to bring revival in our nation. It's not going to bring, bring revival in our home. It's not going to bring, uh, it's not going to help a church thrive and, and go forward. But we must have a dynamic faith. That's the faith that pleases the Lord. The dynamic faith is one that is, is uh, it allows the Holy Spirit to work in and through the child of God. It's the one that allows the Holy Spirit to prompt us to live for him and to bring honor and glory to him. The Holy Spirit is the one that prompts us. You know, have you ever been somewhere and the Lord speaks to you and boy, you think I should witness to that person or I should say a good word or I should call somebody up and encourage them. That's the Holy Spirit. You know, not every one of us, and I said us, not every one of us are truly yielded to the Holy Spirit. You know, we can become, I've been there before, we can become insensitive to the Holy Spirit. We can, the Bible says we can quench the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that we can grieve the Holy Spirit. So at one time, maybe when we get saved, we might have a dynamic faith, but if we're not careful, we can actually regress into having a dead faith. 
But maybe you're here tonight, and between you and God, you would say, Brother Mark, I have a dead faith. I, I, I'm in word only. I'm here tonight, but I'm not really concerned about the things of God. Not only can we go from a dynamic to a dead, but we can go from a dead to a dynamic. We don't have to stay in a dead state. We don't have to have a dead faith. And so tonight, we're going to look at this dynamic faith. We're going to look at having a faith that shows us, uh, shows itself. You know, uh, you've heard the illustration, you know, if somebody is so big as God is into you, he's going to show himself. And you know what? I want God to show himself in my life. Years ago, there were some boys in a parochial type school. It was a religious type school. And every day they would recite the Apostles' Creed. And uh, each boy had a part that they were to say. The first boy, he'd, he'd sit in his chair and he'd stand up and he'd say, I believe that God exists in three persons, and then he'd sit down. The second boy would stand up and he'd say, I believe that Jesus is God's son, and he'd sit down. The third boy, he was sitting down, he'd stood up, and he, said, he, he would say, I believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so they would do that on and on. Each day they would say that. Well, one day they were going through it. The first boy stood up and said his part. Uh, he said, I believe that God exists in three persons. And then the second boy stood up and he said, I believe that Jesus is God's son. And then the third boy stood up and did his part, you know, real loud and clear. He said, I believe that Jesus died and rose again. And then another boy stood up. He said, the boy who believes in the Holy Spirit isn't here today. And you know what? When I came across this story, I thought, how many of us can be guilty of living our lives as though we don't believe in the working of the Holy Spirit? You know, we can get just kind of caught into the trap of putting our life on autopilot or cruise control. And we live how we want. We live according to the flesh. We, we do just kind of what feels good. But when that happens, God's faith can't be demonstrated through our lives. When we push the Holy Spirit aside, our faith can't show itself because we're grieving the Holy Spirit. We're quenching the Holy Spirit. So as James is writing here in James chapter number 2, he's trying to get this, 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 these, these churches in Asia Minor, he's trying to get them to demonstrate their faith. He's trying to get them to show their faith. Look at James chapter number 2 in your Bible, if you would. The Bible says in verse number 20, But wilt thou know... O vain man, that faith without works is dead. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? So notice that little phrase, justified by works. Now you could take that scripture verse and you can really make a doctrine saying that you can be saved by works. Now one of the key things about Bible study and Bible interpretation, you have to compare scripture with scripture. And we're told that you're not justified by works. So then look at verse number 22. Seest thou how faith wrought with his works and by works was faith made perfect. Then it says in verse 23, and the scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. 
Verse 24, ye see then how that by works a man is justified. So there again we're seeing, it looks like, that you can be justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot, here's that same phrase again, justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also." So we see here, the, the Bible's almost, we would think it's saying that you can be justified by works, but that's not the case. There are two types of justification. There's one to be justified before God, and there's another one to be justified before men. And how this is meaning that they, their works really just legitimizes, or it, it gives credence, or it shows that their faith is real. And so we have these stories of Abraham and Rahab, and by their works, their work stated that, hey, my faith is real. It's a real thing that's going on. You know, that's the kind of life that I want. I want the Holy Spirit to work through me where people say, hey, that person's faith is real. How about you? Is that your desire tonight? I hope it is. Is your desire when you live each day that the people will look at you and say, boy, that person on the job, I saw Brother Daryl over here, he's, maybe he's changing tires. I hope there's people that see Brother Daryl and say, there's a Christian. Or maybe, or maybe somebody else, I'm looking around, maybe, you, maybe you're on your job and, and they'll look at you and say, boy, their faith is real. And you know, I want, that, I want that for my life as a Sunday school teacher. I want that for my life as an assistant pastor. Whatever titles you assume tonight, you say, well, I don't have any titles. Every one of us in this room have multiple titles that you carry or hats that you wear. Maybe you're a parent. Maybe you're a coworker. Maybe you're an employee. Maybe you're an employer. Maybe you're a friend. Maybe you're a deacon. Maybe you're an usher. Maybe you're a choir member. Maybe you're a church member or a bus driver or a bus captain or a greeter or a church secretary or a preacher or maybe you're a nursery worker or maybe you're a, a sibling and on and on the list goes. But tonight, may our desire be that faith will work through us, that we show our faith. And so I want to give you three basic things tonight about our faith and the showing of our faith. Number one, we want to look at the demonstration of faith. The demonstration of faith. Look at verse number 21. It says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac upon the altar? And so we see that Abraham was justified or he was legitimatized or his faith was shown to be real by his works. And you all probably know the story about how Abraham, God came to Abraham, and way back when he was in Ur of the Chaldees, and God came to him and said, Abraham, I want you to pack up, and I want you to leave. And the Bible says that Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. So at that time is when Abraham got saved because he believed in God. But then fast forward 40 years later, God comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, I want you to take your only son, Isaac, and I want you to go out of Moriah, and I want you to go up onto the mount, and I want you to offer your only begotten son. Now, I don't know about you, but if God came to me and said that, I would really be pondering, what in the world am I being told to do? I'd wonder. But you know what Abraham did? He had faith. 
And he took that sun, he got together his, his fire starter, and he got together his wood, and he, he told Isaac, he said, uh, let's head up the mountain. If there was ever a story about great faith, it was Abraham. Can you imagine them? They're heading up the mountain. They're going up, and all of a sudden, Isaac looks over to his daddy, says, Dad, he said, I see the fire starter. I see, I see the lighter. I see the matches, or I see the string, or whatever we're going to light the fire with. I see that. I see the wood. Where's the sacrifice? And Abraham just looked over to Isaac and said, God will provide. He had faith, and they kept on going up, and I'm sure Isaac was scratching his head. I'm sure I would think probably in the back of Abraham's mind he was probably even scratching his head, but he goes up there and he gets ready to sacrifice his son, and you know he lays him on the altar, and he takes the knife, and he's getting ready to take his son's life, and what happened? There's a ram in the thicket. God would provide, and God did provide, but Abraham had faith. He was justified by his works. His, his works uh, legitimatized him or stated that, hey, my faith is real. And so he believed God. We see it demonstrated by faith. He believed God. His faith on Mount Moriah was truly seen in the outward working by being willing to sacrifice his son. His faith was demonstrated. He showed his faith by his outward obedience. His faith that worked was demonstrating that what took place in his heart when he believed God, it was a real thing. And all that tonight, you and I, may we exude the, the presence of God and may the Holy Spirit work through us that when people look at us, they say, boy, there is a child of God. There is a Christian. There is somebody that walks with God. You know, have you ever looked at some people, and you don't mean to be judgmental, but in your heart you think, man, I don't see much fruit, or I don't see much faithfulness. You know, some things for Christians should just be natural. I mean, going to church should just be natural. And you're here tonight on a Wednesday night, and that's evident that it's natural. But there are some things that should be normal to the Christian life, like Bible reading and prayer. And, and you ever look at somebody and you think, I, I wonder how much of that's going on. Maybe it's because they've never truly been born again. And I'm afraid that maybe in our churches where we have people that have never truly been born again, as, as Brother Willis mentioned on Sunday. Because of this, there's never an outward showing of faith that it was a result of the inward faith. There's nothing on the outside because there's nothing on the inside. Sometimes that might happen. You know, when you see fruit or you feel conviction, thank God for that. Thank God that he's speaking to you and he's tapping you on your shoulder and saying, hey, Brother Mark, you need to work on this area or, or Sister So-and-So, you need to work on this area. Faith uh, is, needs to be demonstrated. By faith, Abraham offered Isaac. It was a demonstration of faith that God was working in him and through him. Now, there's something about faith that can't always be demonstrated in a comfortable area. You know, I can't say tonight that Every test of your faith is going to be in some area that's comfortable. Sometimes it might be through the death of a loved one. Sometimes it might be through a phone call from a doctor where we have to exercise faith. Maybe it's through uh, something that we don't understand. Maybe it's something that's not easy. But you know what? When we don't understand what God is doing, you know, faith still trusts God. Faith follows God. Faith sees the invisible. Faith hears the inaudible. Faith believes that God can do anything but fail. He can do anything but fail. Look at Ephesians 3 and verse number 20. The Bible says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding 
abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Aren't you glad that we serve a God that can do abundantly above all that we ask or think? Have you ever prayed for something and maybe you were praying and praying, you said, God, do this, and he comes through and he did more than you asked? Boy, that's exciting. And you think, boy, God is real. He answers my prayer. You know, maybe we need something big in our children. Maybe we need God to do something big in, a, in your business. Or maybe you need God to do something big in a challenge you're facing or through a health issue. He's able to do bigger than we what we ask or think. But all of the circumstance of life requires us to have faith in God. Look at Philippians 2 and verse number 12. The Bible says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only. So Paul's saying, hey, you've been great, not just when I'm around, but even when I'm not around. And he says, but now much more in my absence. And then he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Paul's not saying to work for your salvation, but he's saying to work out your own salvation. Hey, what's inside? Work it out. Let it be known. Show your faith. And so that is a showing faith. Then look at verse number 22. It says, Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect. So we see that faith brought about works, and then because of that, works, uh, works all of a sudden your faith was made perfect. That word perfect just means to complete or to mature. And you know what? So faith is the beginning point. So what happens, uh, what happens is faith, stand, Zach, help me out. So what happens is, let's call Brother Zach faith, and, uh, and I'm works. So it all starts with faith. Then works comes along, grabs them, and they're hand in hand. And what happens is they're on a journey together, and they get down here, and their faith is complete, or it's mature. But it all starts with faith. And then there's that outward showing of works together. They get down the road, and now it's a completed faith. It's a mature faith. I don't know about you, but I want to have a mature faith. I don't want to just sit on my faith, but I want to have works to go with it that my faith will be mature. Thank you, Brother Zach. And so we want to have a mature faith. Let me ask you tonight, as you trust God in the small things from day to day, you go from one trial to the next, are you trusting God? I think of that song, many things about tomorrow. I don't seem to understand, but I know who holds tomorrow, and I know who holds my hand. When you get that call from the doctor, or you get a health setback, or you get a, a pink slip from your employer, many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand, but I know who holds tomorrow, and I know who holds my hand. Your faith will go stronger and stronger along the way. It begins by faith. The Christian life is a life of faith. It involves believing the promises of God. You know, we have the verse in the Bible, give and it shall be given. And so maybe you're a new Christian. Maybe you're a veteran Christian. You hear that verse and the Bible says, give and it shall be given. Well, it takes faith to believe that promise. So you have faith, then you put that faith into practice, and you give. And then your, your faith is matured. And so there's numerous uh, uh, promises in the Bible. We have the, the, the command in the Bible to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. What it takes faith to say, okay, that's what God is telling me to do, so I'm going to be faithful to the house of God. William Booth said this. He was the founder of the Salvation Army back in the mid-1800s. He said this. He said, faith 
and works should travel side by side, just like Brother Zach and I, should travel side by side, step answering to step, like the legs of men walking. First faith, and then works, and then faith again, and then works again, until they can scarcely distinguish, distinguish which is the one and which is the other. So you want to have faith, and then you want to have works, and you want to get them working so closely side by side that you can't even tell them apart because, hey, there's faith, and then there's works. There's faith, and then there's works. And they just keep on going through life, and that faith is matured. It's completed. So maybe you have faith tonight. You want to pray for a lost friend, and you have faith. Well, then you begin to pray. Or maybe you have faith that Jesus can save. And so you have faith. And then you have faith to witness. And then you go ahead and you actually witness. You're putting works to that faith. Or maybe you believe that uh, Jesus can speak through preaching. You have that faith. And so what do you do? You begin preaching because you have that faith. Now it's getting into works and you're working. You're preaching. So in the process of a working faith, you will find a growing Christian. Faith is like a muscle. So if you don't use it, atrophy will set in. And just like in the real world, real world, you take a, a maybe a person who gets laid up in the hospital and they're there, or maybe they're at a rehab facility and they get laid up for 40, 50 days. What happens to the muscles? All of a sudden they begin to shrink. They begin to degenerate. And they're not able to function like they once did. And so maybe that person who's been in the hospital for a while, they try to get up out of bed and all of a sudden those back muscles can't support them. The leg muscles can't get them up. And so that is the same way it is with us. What happens? Well, because those muscles weren't used, they began to shrink and they began to degenerate. You know, sometimes God will put a trial in your life. Maybe it's something with your children or maybe it's something at work and he wants you to exercise your faith muscle. Maybe he gives you a, a dumbbell. Zach, stand up again if you would. I told him I was going to pick on him a little bit. So let's pretend that this is a dumbbell. And I give that to him. I'm God. I give that to him. He's a Christian. And, and I tell him, okay, I'm going to give you this trial, and I want you to exercise. So go ahead and exercise that. But you know what a lot of us Christians do? Throw that psalm book down. We just say, nope, I'm not going to work anymore. I'm not going to have faith in God anymore. We get, a, we get a disturbing phone call that maybe somebody has cancer, or we get a disturbing phone call that our child is, is on drugs or gone awry or whatever, and God's saying, hey, I want you to exercise your faith. And, and God says, here, here, take the dumbbell. I want you to keep working at it, work at it, work at it. And if we're not careful, we just throw it back down and we give in and we don't let God work through us. Thank you, Brother Zach. We don't let God work through us. He says, here, I want you to exercise your faith. You're going to get stronger through the process. God says, here's the challenge. Here's the trial. Look at James 1 and verse number 4. It says, but let patience have her perfect work that ye may be perfect and entire, not perfect as far as sinless, but complete, wanting nothing or lacking nothing. James says, hey, just allow patience to have her work. Let patience perform that work in you. The challenge is to learn how to trust. The challenge is to learn how to give. The challenge is to learn how to be faithful. God might come to you and say, okay, it's a little heavier than you're used to, but I want you to exercise faith. He might come to you and say, it's going to take some faith. Just like he came to Noah and he said, Noah, it's going to take some faith. I want you to go out and build that ark. Can you imagine what Noah felt? God came to him and said, Noah, I know you haven't ever seen this thing called rain, 
but I want you to go out and I want you to spend a hundred plus years and build an ark. And I want you to put all this together. Can you imagine all the people that came by and looked at Noah and thought, this guy's lost his mind. He's building an ark in the middle of nowhere. Why? Because some water's going to fall out of the sky. And God came to him and said, Noah, I want you to have faith. I want you to exercise that. He came to Abraham and said, Abraham, it's going to take faith. It's not going to be easy, but I want you to just trust me. I want you to, to not give up, give up in the midst of the exercise. Just keep working that muscle of faith. Don't throw down the dumbbell. Let patience have her perfect work. It's kind of like a washing machine. You know, all of us probably have a washing machine, but you know, in order for a piece of clothing to be wearable or to be usable, what happens? That, that piece of clothing or the several articles of clothing, they must go through all the cycles. You put the soap in, you turn it on, it starts filling up. That's called the soak cycle. Then you've got the agitation cycle where that little drum, if you have one of those, it's turning around, it's trying to clean. Or maybe, and Then there's the drain cycle. It gets all the dirty water out. Then there's the, the rinse cycle and it brings all the new water back in. Then there's the spin cycle. What would happen if you were to take that piece of clothing right after you put the soap in, you turned on the water, all the water came filling up, and you just said, well, I've got to have a piece of clothing. You just went down to the washing machine, grabbed the piece of clothing, and put it on. You'd probably, if you wore that shirt for any length of time, you'd probably have a soap rash all over you. Would you not? Well, why would that happen? Well, because you rushed the washing machine. You pulled the garment out too early. It still had a process to go through. And you know what you and I need to learn tonight? We need to learn, don't rush the washing machine in your life. Don't throw down the dumbbell. Don't give up on the exercise. Let patience have her perfect work in your life. If we're going to be complete, let God develop the muscle of your faith. Philippians 1 and verse number 6, it says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Christ. Aren't you glad that when you got saved, God said, I'm not just going to leave you, I'm going to keep working with you, and he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Christ. When we get saved all the way until we die or until we're, we're raptured out of here, God wants to help us. He wants to help us develop our faith. He wants to, us to not rush the washing machine. God started something good in you when you got saved. I think of that song, I just keep trusting my Lord as I walk along. I just keep trusting my Lord, and he gives a song. Though the storm clouds darken the sky or the heavenly trail, I just keep trusting my Lord. He will never fail. He's not going to fail you. He hasn't done it yet. He won't do it. I don't know what you're going through tonight, but I want to challenge you. Just keep trusting the Lord. The maturity of Abraham was measured and is measured by his faith in God. Your maturity is measured by your faith in God. Let me ask you tonight, how is your faith in God? Abraham was willing to lay down his very own son. What would God ask you to lay down? Is it your will? Is it your career? Is it your desire? So we see the demonstration of faith, and I've got to move. We're done through first, the first point, got two more to go. The declaration of faith, verse number 24, faith is declared by our works. So we declare our faith by our works. You know, people are not going to see, our, they can't see our heart. 
but they can see our works. People can't see the faith of our church as far as the heart of our church, but they can see the buses rolling on Sunday. They can't see the heart of our church, but they can see us out door knocking and visiting people and trying to be a blessing. It, you know, I think of the ministries of our church. They were all started by faith. Back in 1944, the bus ministry. In 1963, the Christian school buying this property. Our pastor had faith. The church had faith. They built the building. They moved here in 2009. Why? It was all because of faith. Well, that was all because of faith, but now we must continue in faith. We continue in works. We continue in preaching. We continue in teaching, in buses, in visitation. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 and verse number 6, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith is declared by our works. Faith is displayed by our works. Look at verse number 26. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Look at Matthew 7 and verse number 17. Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. Even, and then verse number 18. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Verse number 19. Every tree that bringeth forth not good fruit, good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Then look at verse number 20. Wherefore, by their fruits, ye shall know them. The Bible says, hey, you, we're going to know a man's fruit. By, we're going to know his faith by his fruit. We're going to know his faith by what he does. You know, you can stand up and say, I'm a Christian. You can stand up and sing, uh, you know, uh, I love the Lord and oh, how I love Jesus. But if you go to the workplace on Monday and you cuss like a sailor, they're going to know your faith. They're going to think to themselves, boy, that's not a real faith. A lack of fruit equals a lack of faith. So we see the demonstration of our faith, the declaration of our faith, and then we see the devotion of our faith. Verse number 25, likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. Real quickly, I'm going to fly through this. Rahab, if you know the story back in Joshua, Rahab was a prostitute. She was a harlot. And, what, and God still used her. So she's here, she's at the wall of, of the city of Jericho, and there were some spies, they wanted to, to take over the, the uh, city of Jericho, and there were two spies sent by Joshua, and Joshua sent them out, and they went to go spy, and all of a sudden, uh, the, they were, the enemies were starting to come upon them, and then what they did is they came up upon Rahab's door, not knowing who she was or, or any of that, they just came, and they knocked on her door. And Rahab came to the door, and Rahab ended up hiding the spies and then ended up letting them go over a wall because, by some rope. And, and God used the faith of Rahab. Rahab uh, was in a wicked lifestyle, and she wasn't born again, and she ended up getting saved. And God used the faith of Rahab to spare these people, and she was devoted to the Lord. But the act of Rahab in letting down the spies showed that she truly believed in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know, it was simply just the demonstration of her faith. The Bible says, faith without works is dead. If tonight you or I, if we've got a life of faith and there's no works with it, may I humbly say, check up, are you truly born again tonight? Are you truly saved? 
if there are no works, check up. How do we know the faith of our church? Well, by our works. How do we know of your personal faith? By your works. Do you have a forgiving spirit? Are you long-suffering? Or do you and I just sit back and we're just critical? Or are, you just, or are you unkind to people? You know, salvation is by faith alone. There's no arguing that. When you get saved, it's by faith alone. But our faith is manifested by our works. How do, we, how, how do people know that we're truly born again? By our works, by what we do, by what we say, how we act with others. James teaches us that faith alone saves but faith that saves is not alone. Faith is not going to be alone. He's going to lock arms with works, and there's going to be works evident in our life. And then the two will walk along and mature your faith. I want to encourage you tonight. You know, nothing great for God will ever happen until we exercise the muscle of faith. What is God working in your life right now? Is he giving you a dumbbell of something? He says, son, daughter, I want you to exercise faith. Let me encourage you. Don't throw down the dumbbell. Don't rush the washing machine. Just let God take you through the cycles. Is it always going to be easy? No. But just keep trusting the Lord. Don't throw down the dumbbell. Don't rush the washing machine. Let Patience have her work, her, let patience have her perfect work. Have faith in God. If you know anything about the life of Dr. Lee Robertson, he was a, a pastor in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and over his 40 years of pastoring, they baptized, they said, over 60,000 people. That's over 1,000 people a year, about, about 1,500 a year. And God greatly used him. But one of his core principles, uh, I'm told that as men of God would question Brother Robertson about different things, he would always say, have faith in God, have faith in God. You know, and he went through horrible times in his life and in his ministry, but he would always encourage people, have faith in God. Let's be a church with a working faith. Let's be a Christian with a working faith. What test is God putting you through tonight? What trial is there? Let me encourage you, have faith in God. Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed tonight.